0: Welcome to Agape Fellowship. Here we study the Word of God verse by verse. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, talks about law and the commandments. The law is given by Moses, with the passage of time transformed into Pharisaic law. The commandments and law were interpreted by the Pharisees, giving rise to lots of traditions and confusion. Let's listen in and see how Jesus sets things right as we continue our study from
1: Matthew 5, verse 21. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, um, and um, let me just start,
0: just rewind
1: a little bit. Um, We were in... um, The portion chapter 5 which is uh, usually called the Sermon on the Mount um, and then we had looked through the um, portion called the Beatitudes and now we are uh, we've completed that and now we are transitioning into um, the portion the sermon in other words Lord Jesus takes different portions of the commandments and then highlights what those things are and what we ought to learn uh, from those specific portions so, um, it, I had mentioned this earlier, last time, but it's worth repeating, um, that when the Lord Jesus talks about law, um, there are several var- several variations. In other words, He means different things, but it's implied. By this, I mean, I'll give you an example. In Genesis, there's the word, in the beginning. Um, and you will see, that there is an in the beginning in John 1 and then you will see in 1 John 1 that which was in the beginning. Now you look at all of those beginnings, the word is the same, the meaning is different. Um, We've spoken about this, we've discussed this earlier uh, in our study. Um, Even though the word is the beginning, the meaning, the implications are different. And uh, we had gone through the exercise saying which of the in the beginning is the actual beginning likewise um, when the Lord Jesus and when we refer to the law there are several different things that we're to consider when Jesus said um, that uh, he's come to fulfill the law and the prophets by that he means that he has come to fulfill the five portion of the five um, chapters of the five books Moses or the fulfilled Moses and the, and the prophets uh, he means the law those five books um, that is one uh, meaning of the law those five books now when you look at those five books you see there's some history in there a lot of other things apart from the law so then there's another layer of meaning of the law which are the law that was given to Um, the Israelites uh, from Mount Sinai. Those were the laws, the 630 odd laws by which they would conduct their lives. So when he came to complete or when he said he's come to fulfill the law he was referring to those laws that he was going to fulfill those laws. Why? Because um, Israel couldn't fulfill those laws. So he's come to fulfill those laws. Now every one of those laws um, shows some aspect of Jesus' life. For example, um, uh, take for uh, example the the law of the Day of Atonement. It is a requirement that there be a Day of Atonement. It shows who the chief priest is. Um, the law of the Passover. It shows who the Passover lamb is, and so on. He has come to fulfill, and every one of those laws point to um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we, in the New Testament era, when we look back, says Jesus has fulfilled the law. What do we mean? He's completed those laws. However, within those laws, there's a portion called the commandment. When we talk about fulfilling the law, so we are no longer under that law, and we have the spirit of freedom, and we talk about the law being a tutor, and now we have the freedom and all of those things, what are we talking about? We're talking about those laws were fulfilled in Christ Jesus, so we are no longer obligated. For example, another one, circumcision, uh, and so on. So we're no longer obligated to fulfill them because Jesus has already fulfilled them. However, that is not the case in the commandments. Commandments is a component of the law. It's it, it's deep inside of the set of laws. There's also the commandment. So we cannot say, "Well, the law is completed. The commandments are completed." So we are no longer under that commandment. No, you are under that commandment. I am under that commandment. There is no. He has not got rid of those commandments. In fact, he refers to those commandments and and he talks about the new commandment, um, which is to love one another, to love God and love one another. By the way, the the love of God was already there uh, in the old. So remember that he is now referring to those commandments. Why am I taking time to talk about it? Because that's where we're gonna start tonight. Let's look at Matthew 5. 21, uh, starting at verse 21. There's a little bit of overlap from the last time. However, it's worth um, discussing it um, before we go forward. So talking about this commandment, uh, starting in verse 21, Jesus talks about these specific commandments. What did it mean? What is the reference and so on? Let me give you another piece of background as to why he has to belabor uh, discussing these one more time before um, the Babylonian exile, um, there was this the requirement was the mosaic law. the focus was the mosaic law that it needed to be fulfilled and there was even though Israelites obviously went after other gods, um, but that mosaic law was what everyone was focused on. All the interest was on the mosaic law. And so it was still, the Babylonian exile. And then after they uh, came back from the Babylonian exile, now you can imagine this was another generation that had come back. Seventy years had passed. And by now, let's say a couple of generations had passed. And now it was the next generation that is coming back into the land of Israel. And when they came back into the land of Israel, they spoke foreign languages. For example, um, they spoke Aramaic, which was the common language of Babylonia. And they spoke um, other, various other languages, the Assyrians and so on, many different languages. And so the use of Hebrew shrunk and only a few remembered or knew Hebrew and Hebrew was the language in the temple. So you can imagine what happens uh, when you don't have that knowledge of that language and so they could not understand what was in their law. If you go to the book of Ezra, you will see Ezra standing there and reading the entire book of the law and the people weeping because it was the first time they actually heard it and understood something. Um, so during that period, um, there came a class, the Pharisees, you obviously know the Pharisees and the scribes. They took that which was in Hebrew and converted it into other languages. So. Now, what as, a, as part of that translation, uh, you have the, uh, the Greek Septuagint and so on, many other things took place, but the Greek Septuagint came as a result of the Diaspora um, having no, no knowledge of Hebrew, yet wanting to know their law and their history and the prophets, so it was converted into Hebrew and that's where we got the Septuagint from however what happened in the process of this transition from Hebrew to other languages uh, they forgot the Mosaic law and now there was the Pharisaic law in other words you were getting interpretations you were getting you know take, uh, an example that I could give you is um, when you some of you ask me what Bible should I follow I say follow the literal ver- the literal version not the interpreted version for interpretation by that I mean someone looks at a, um, a, a verse and then that author or that group will give you its meaning. So you're not reading the actual literal word for word the scripture. You are getting the meaning of it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. However, you can imagine um, that you are now listening to someone else who has told you what that verse meant. And, by the way, they make the best attempt to be as close, literally with no daylight. Uh, they try, uh, not to say that they succeed. They try the best to get to as close a meaning as the original text. One of those scripture, um, the scriptures that you have, some of you read from it, and I don't mind that. It's NIV. It's an interpreted version of the Bible, and notice that it's very, very close to the literal, ver- the literal versions of the Bible. The literal versions of the Bible just puts it out exactly the way it is, and sometimes when you read it, you cannot even make sense of it because in our modern day. English. We, When we read that portion, it seems so strange. It doesn't seem to make any sense, but you asked for literal, didn't you? There it is. Now it's your business to go and figure out what that means. You. I hope you understand uh, the difference that took place. So the Pharisaic law is one where you went to the rabbi and he would look at the law and he will give you his interpretation. And so it became Pharisaic. So all this to say that after their return from Babylon, the law was no longer the mosaic or the literal, but rather the Pharisaic. So over time, uh, as is happening today, over time, because of their reliance on the Pharisaic law, traditions got in. You were no longer at the source, but rather at the interpreted version level and so here we have in 21. Now when you read 21 you would understand why Jesus says you have heard that it was said of to those of old. Everything that I said is to give you a background of what it mean of what it meant when Jesus said you have heard that it was said of old. Because Pharisees told them what was in it. Again um, There was no malice in the process. They were doing their best job, but no matter what, uh, it was not the actual mosaic law or the meaning of the law. So let's go and look at this um, verse, shall we? You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. That's what they've heard. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you? Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and throw you into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you paid your last penny. <clears throat> I, already, I already explained what it, mean, what it meant to say, you've heard of old, you shall not murder. So we'll pass on that because we've already discussed that. But I say to you, now Jesus here shows his authority. Now here's another very interesting thing that has happened in the past and is happening today. The Pharisees never were able to speak exactly and specifically about a verse. They always had to quote somebody else. Rabbi this one said so because they did not have authority. Their authority came from another source. And so they go to all the others who said that. And so hence I'm telling you this. So if it was a Pharisee, when he read this portion, he'll say, Rabbi Hillel or Rabbi, um, what's his name, Gamaliel, um, said this way. And hence this is its interpretation if you kill with a stone you will get this much if you actually meant it this, and then they'll give you a whole interpretation because that rabbi said it they don't have it themselves however Jesus goes straight to the source but I tell you this is someone who has authority he speaks as of one who has authority <coughs> So he speaks with authority and does not rely on any other Pharisee. Now this is going to obviously tick them off because who is this uh, upstart? Who is this guy? How is he not making reference to others? You've got to annotate and bibliograph and notebook and this and that and the other. And if so, if not, then he has no authority. He was not interested in other people giving him authority. He went to the source and he said, I'm you so he says that the second part of this is when when Jesus talks about this but I tell you he's also saying something else yes it says do not murder but I tell you even if you were to say raka or a fool or one of those words um, what did he say? But I say to whoever is angry without a cause or if you, uh, you call somebody a fool or you call them raka, uh, you, you're on very thin ice. And so Jesus is talking about something else. Here he's saying that, look, the law is spiritual. You don't have to kill. You don't have to send a knife through somebody's heart. Or oh, you don't have to cut up somebody's head off to commit murder. You simply need to just have that intention in your heart. And that is equivalent to murder. In Romans 7.14, here's what it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The law is? It's spiritual. We think it is physical. Oh, as long as I didn't act on my intentions, I'm OK. But Jesus is saying, it's not about the act, buddy. It's about the mind. It's the heart. Murder. Um, <clears throat> does not obviously include self-defense or, and capital punishment. You know that is not considered murder. In that case, you are getting what is coming to you as a result of a judgment. You've killed somebody, and so capital punishment is not a considered murder. Now he talks about notice from verse 22 on. He gives three different examples, but I say to you, whoever is angry with a brother without cause, shall be in danger. If you have cause for anger, it's one thing. However, if you do not have cause for anger, then it's, you are in danger of judgment. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that human anger is justified. The problem with human anger is there's a mixed set of motives. It's not a pure anger. I can tell you from myself, when I get angry, it is not pure. There may be so many combination of emotions, including something that somebody may have done to me 100 years ago. It's not about that event that took place just now. What took place just now just uh, was the tip of the iceberg. I have pent up so much of all kinds of emotions, and that just blew the top off. It's the volcano that blew up what's underneath pent up over years. So what I'm trying to say is that there's mixed emotion. So we as humans carry a lot of junk and it just so happens to explode at that point. So our human uh, anger is not something that is reliable, quality, pristine, as Jesus is talking about, pristine anger uh, for a specific thing. Um, We carry a lot of baggage. So I'm not condoning that. Did Jesus get angry? Did he call people names? You bet he did. Remember whitewashed tombs? Remember that? Remember he took a, uh, made a, a lash, a whip, and then he went and drew out the money, drew out the money changers. So yes, isn't he the one who called Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan"? Of course he did. So it wasn't that he was not angry, but he did not sin. It's not easy, it's not for us, our human anger, and that's where we have to be watchful. And this is something that each of us will have to deal with, with the Holy Spirit's help, because I cannot give a judgment on that. Each of us carry our own burden. So take it to the Lord in prayer, take it to the Holy Spirit and say, well, the Holy Spirit, teach me how to fix this, sort this out in my head, and he will help you with. So there is something about righteous indignation, but I don't think we have that qualification to tap that and say, yeah, that was righteous indignation. At least I don't.
0: God reads our mind and weighs our motives, even when we do not actually commit murder. Hatred and anger can make us guilty. We are to love God and others too. We are to keep the commandments, though Jesus fulfilled the law like Passover and circumcision. The Pharisees quoted the law, whereas Jesus is the source of the law. We will meet again in the next episode.